It's good to be home. Uh, last Sunday, I was in Bellingham, Washington, which is like three or four miles from Canada up in the northwest with some college friends who just wanted us to come and hang out and relax with them. And it was interesting that Keith spoke on uh, Jesus and RVing because this friend that <laughs> we stayed with owns like nine RV stores. So uh, it was appropriate that he was able to listen and hear Keith talk about RVing. He had many pictures and stories himself. So, uh, But it's good to be home. Happy Mother's Day. Again, thankful for moms. Uh, thankful for my mom or I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. And I mean that in the sense of uh, as a believer in Jesus and uh, a teacher of Jesus. And so uh, my mom is with Jesus as of like five years ago, and I'm just thankful for her life. And today I want to talk about Jesus because we're in Hebrews chapter 3, Two weeks ago, uh, when I was here, we we kind of paused from the book of Hebrews. Not really, but uh, we talked about rest. We talked about three different types of rest uh, inside of a physical rest and a spiritual rest. Whenever you or the world hears about rest, they immediately think physical. That I have to take a nap or I have to sit down and not do anything and when we talk about a a spiritual rest there's a God that lives inside of me I'm not God but there's a God that lives inside of me and if I can quit doing and let him do it that's rest like, it was nice to go away and um, just be with friends and beautiful country. Uh, that was a great rest, physical rest. But the spiritual rest of just being able to sit and process and talk about Jesus with friends and gave me more strength uh, than just the physical rest. And so we, we get into a little bit of this today in Hebrews chapter 3. We'll try to get through the whole chapter here. So I'm going to start in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3. And what happened three weeks ago uh, in chapter 2 of Hebrews, he's really trying to prove to uh, the believing Jews. These are Jews that believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, they were obviously not the majority of the Jews, but there were some that came to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And uh, today you have Messianic Jews. You have those Jews that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so what was happening was there was this conflict going on with, with them. The Romans were pressing down on them. And, and then the Jews that didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah was trying to get them to come back to the old covenant, which was to do sacrifices in the temple. This was 64, 66 AD that the Hebrews letter was written. It's 30 some odd years after Jesus had died. The one sacrifice that was needed for the forgiveness of sins. 
yet the Jews were trying to get these believing Jews to come back to the faith of making sacrifices from the blood of animals, which only atoned, covered for sin. It didn't forgive sin. It didn't take away sin. It just covered it. And so this is what's going on. And he's saying, you guys believe the angels, the one that delivered the message to Moses, is more important than than anything, than and he's trying to say, no, 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 Jesus is more important than angels. That's what he said three weeks ago. Now today he's trying to prove that Jesus is more important than Moses. Verse 1, it says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters. Oh, let's just pause right there. He didn't say, you sorry suckers that sin all the time and complain and disgruntled and everything else. You, He's saying, you holy this is you. You're holy. It's just like what Matt was saying is we don't recognize you for the things that you do. We recognize you for who you are. That Jesus made you holy simply because of your belief. You didn't do anything. Jesus did it. He separated you from the rest of the world. That means he sanctified you. He made you a saint. Yeah, I was a sinner that was saved by grace. I was saved by grace. I was a sinner. Now I'm a saint. Don't don't fall into that trap. Oh, I am a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner saved by grace. Now he made you a saint. He made you holy. He made you righteous. He has forgiven you one time. That's what he says. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. If you go back to Philippians chapter 3, you can see that we're already uh, citizens of heaven. Like in Ephesians, it says that, w- that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, and if I'm in Christ, that I also am sitting at the right hand of God. I really believe that I'm in heaven right now. Not here on this earth, but I'm somehow here on this earth, yet also with Jesus in heaven. It says, who share in a heavenly calling, consider consider Jesus. When he says consider, man, this is what I try to impress on you. Pursue Jesus. Consider, he's really saying pursue Jesus. You guys pursue Jesus for all all your strength, That sounds like work, and yeah, it is a little bit of work. But pursue him. Know him. Know this God that lives inside of you. He says, consider Jesus the apostle. The apostle, when he calls Jesus an apostle, it's a, a, a person that's sent with a message. And Jesus was sent with this specific message of grace. He came into the Jewish world which was all about law and obeying the law. And he obeyed the law, and he taught the law, but he also delivered a message of grace. Thank God for that. Because we can't do the law. Neither could they. No one can do the law perfectly. It says, the apostle and high priest of our confession. If you go back to Leviticus, you'll see that when God called the priests, they came from a specific lineage, that of the Levites. That's where we get the book Leviticus. 
It's got 613 laws about being a Levite priest. And Jesus came from that lineage. He was, has the ability to be a priest. And a priest is one that approaches God on the behalf of man. We have priests today. But listen, you don't need a priest. You have the holy living God inside of you. You don't have to have a person go on your behalf to talk to God. You don't. Back then you did. That was the old system. That was the old covenant. But now there's this new covenant, and Jesus is the high priest, and Jesus died so that he could approach God on our behalf. And if he's in me, I don't have to have some man doing that for me. I have Jesus. What more do you need? He says, the high priest of our confession. Verse 2, it says, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. He was appointed, first of all, as a prophet. When Jesus came here on earth, he was a prophet. He foretold. He foretold things that were to come. He brought grace to the world. Currently, Jesus is serving as the high priest. There's no longer a temple. There's no longer a priest making sacrifices. Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice, the forgiveness of our sins, and he is the high priest of our sins, and he forgave us one time. And then... One day, Jesus will return, and when he returns, he will return as king. So he's a prophet, a priest, and a king. He says he was faithful to the one who appointed him. God appointed Jesus to be a a prophet, priest, and king. Just as Moses was in all God's household. Moses was considered a faithful leader of the Jews during that time that he was alive. He led that nation. But the difference between Moses and Jesus, Moses was sinful. Jesus was not. Jesus is greater than Moses. Verse 3, For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Let, let's go back. We talked about the glory not too long ago in chapter 1, the glory of God. I go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says this. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the glory of God. If Jesus lives in me, the glory of God lives in me. I'm sitting here looking at the glory of God just as you are. John 1.14, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is that glory. He's it. But if you go back to Moses, you go back to Exodus chapter 34, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and when he came down, 
it was shining. The glory of God was shining on Moses' face. It talks about it. But look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. It says, now if the ministry that brought death, that would be the law that was given to Moses. Now if the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? This is Paul saying this in 2 Corinthians. For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, that's the ministry of the law, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. Jesus is greater than Moses. In fact, it says, what had been glorious is not glorious now. That that was shining on Moses' face faded. It was symbolism of what was to happen that the old covenant was going to fade out. It says, in fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. You see, Jesus created the nation of Israel because he is the creator. Jesus is the creator. Is the creator greater than the creation? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jesus is greater than Moses. Verse 4, it says, Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Okay, now we're talking about the creation. We're talking about what God was capable of doing. Again, go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. It says, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Who's the creator? Jesus is the creator. It says in Colossians 1.16, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is God, but at the same time, he's his own individual. And all this writer of Hebrews is trying to say is, you guys, you've got to figure this out. You're worshiping angels, you're worshiping Moses, but Jesus, this is the deal. He's for real. He's the, he created angels, he created Moses. Verse 5, it says, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. Again, Moses was the greatest Jew alive in his time. He was put on this pedestal by Jews. In Deuteronomy 18, 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. This was Moses. This is who God chose to be the leader during this time in the old covenant. But watch what happens. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 7, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses Take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. You will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. Now, that would be pretty cool, right? 
God says, just go speak to the rock and tell it to produce water. Watch what happens. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice. Oops. He struck the rock twice with his staff so that the abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. When Moses struck the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, this was disobedience. It's not what God told him to do. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. You see, God told Moses to speak to the rock. But he struck the rock. And God says, the rock is Christ. Verse 6, it says, But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Now you sit there and go, we... He's talking to us. No, this is still a guy that's writing to the believers in Hebrews that are struggling with their faith and what they believe. It says Moses was a servant, but Jesus is the son. If I have a, a house cleaner or somebody to do my lawn, my son, Corey, is still greater than the house cleaner or the lawn boy. That's just what it is. So who's the greatest? Jesus is the greatest. Christ was faithful as a son over his household. It says Moses was faithful as a servant in God's household. Not the same. And it says, and we're that household. They needed the confidence what they already had come to believe. You, you get it, right? They had salvation. This, this wasn't about them losing salvation. They believed God. They were being pressured to change their mind about their faith. <laughs> Let me say that again, because that might speak to you in this room. They were being pressured to change their mind about their faith. They were being pressured to believe what they had already experienced and moved on from. Continual sacrifices. They've, they've moved on from that. We in this room are constantly challenged about our faith and what we believe. Again, my mom was faithful to remind me about Jesus. She loved Jesus with all of her heart. She'd get up early in the morning and pray and pray. She prayed for most of you in this room. She also reminded me about my behavior. <laughs> That's what moms do. But if I go back to what she first taught me, that I focus on Jesus, he'll take care of my behavior. Mom doesn't have to, wor have to worry about my behavior. And I'm sitting here today, parents, I know you're worried about your kids' behavior. I say to you, know Jesus. 
I'm, I'm saying you know Jesus. Know Jesus, and your kids will see the importance of knowing Jesus. And when they know Jesus, Jesus will take care of their behavior. You really don't have to worry about it. And then he switches gear here in verse 7. He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and he's getting ready to quote Psalm 95. He's getting ready to quote, but he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, proving that Scripture is inspired by God. If the Hebrew writer is quoting the Old Testament, he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, Matt, you said today, speaking about this day. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Where your ancestors tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will never enter my rest. If you go back to two weeks ago when we talked about the physical and the spiritual rest, we talked about the Israelites being taken into captivity by the Egyptians and being slaves for the Egyptians for many, many years. And Moses led them out of Egypt. God redeemed his people. A physical rest. He, he rescued them from the Egyptians. And he had promised for them to go into the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, that they could live there and it, everything would be great. But as they were led out of Egypt, they ended up in this wilderness. And when you say wilderness, it's rocks and dirt. It's nasty hot. And they lived there for 40 years. And they grumbled and complained. (laughs) They complained about everything. They complained about God. And that whole generation... It died in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. God says, because of your disobedience, and because of your grumbling and everything, you all are just going to die right here in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. They're going to lead them on into the promised land. But they'll still never be able, able to take you to that other rest. We talked about this like two weeks ago. In, in Numbers... it talks about them being in the wilderness. And guess what they wanted to do when they were in the wilderness? Let us go back to Egypt. (laughs) Let us go back and be slaves. It was pretty bad back there, but this is terrible. Just, Just let us go back. But God never let them return to Egypt because he saved them in the first place. He saved them. They couldn't go back. This is the redemption rest that we talked about two weeks ago. And again, they're supposed to enter into this Canaan rest. And that Canaan rest, it kept them from getting there because they were afraid that there were giants in the land and they let the evil ones scare them and fill them with fear. And so they never got to enter the promised land. And all that is, is learning to overcome your fear. 
learning to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. It's not about the physical, it's about the spiritual. To be able to enter that Canaan rest. And then verse 12, it says, Watch out, brothers and sisters, so there won't be any of you be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. He's not talking about losing salvation here. He's really talking about the unbelieving hearts that they couldn't enter into the land of Canaan. Because you don't believe that you can enter into that land too bad for you. You're just going to die right here. 40 years in the desert. Verse 13, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. So literally, this author is talking to the people who are thinking about going back to the old covenant and he keeps reminding them, you know what happened back in Moses' day? You know what happened? They ended up dying in the wilderness. If you guys don't enter into this Canaan rest and overcome the evil one with your thoughts and your fears, you possibly could die as well. He's warning them. If you go back to the temple, this is again 64 to 66 AD, if you go back to the temple, you possibly could physically die. Because history will tell us that the Romans came in four years later in 70 AD and destroyed the temple and 1.1 million Jews died. That's history. And he's literally warning them, if you, if you go back because you don't believe what you've been taught, what you initially believe, if you go back, you're putting your life in danger. It says, verse 13, this is good for us, but encourage each other daily. While it is still called today, today, so that no one of you is hardened by sin's deception. You've got redemption rest, you've got Canaan rest, overcoming the evil one, and then there is a third rest that Joshua and Caleb could never get to that's the Sabbath rest that we talked about two weeks ago. It's, it's literally resting from our own works to understand that there's a God inside of us that will that will even breathe for us today and some of you in this room or some of you that are listening just need God to breathe for you today he'll do it if you let him or you can continue to do it in your own strength That'll work for a while. It'll work for a while. But then it comes to an end. Verse 14, he says, For we have become participants in Christ. If we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. If, if, you, can, if you can live in Sabbath rest, <laughs> if, if the church... If the church, I'm talking about like all the churches around here, the church, the people that believe in Jesus, if they could figure out about this Sabbath rest and stop doing church, just stop doing church, 
and just be the church, the world would recognize it. And they would want a part of it. But we continue to do the church rather than just be the church. For we have become participants in Christ. Hold firmly. Encourage. I encourage you. Go for the Sabbath rest. Let him do it. Verse 15. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Again, it's 64 to 66 AD before the destruction of the temple. Verse 16. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? Again, it's not about salvation. It's about Canaan rest. It's about living today. Those that believe in Jesus in this room, you, you're already redeemed. You have redemption rest, the spiritual rest. Now there's a battle going on right here, right here, with your thoughts, overcoming fear, knowing who you are. It's a battle. And if you can figure that out and get to that next level of just trusting him and letting him do things for you, (laughs) that's when the adventure begins. Verse 17, last few verses here. With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it those who sinned and whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? If not to those who disobeyed. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. It's not about salvation. They were saved. This is about living an abundant life that was promised to us here on earth. I don't have to die to have an abundant life. I can do it right here on earth. He's with me. He's with me. It's not about doing things in our own strength, such as obeying the law. It's about walking by the Spirit and allowing Him to work through us. That's what this whole thing is. It's figuring out that I can live this life by allowing God even to breathe for us. It's about what Bob would always say. It's about learning to live my life by another source. Hmm. Learning to live my life by another source. It's hard to do. Because I want to take hold of it. I have to let him live my life. I have to. Because there are going to be hard times. As Dale was saying, Mother's Day is a great day to celebrate. But for some, it's just sadness. But if I'm living my life by another source... It's all good. It's all good. Even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of the muck of this world, it's all good. And that's all this writer is saying to these believers is like, you guys, just figure this thing out. Don't go back. How many times do I have to tell you? But I will, I'll tell you every day. 
I'll tell you every day, there's a holy living God inside of you. And he's made you holy. He's redeemed you. And he wants to live your life for you. So God, today, um, I am thankful for my mother. I am thankful for the mothers that are in this room. And those that are listening. That you would just continually open their eyes to you and what you have already given them. That you will comfort them in their need and in their grief. That they can smile each day knowing that you're the source of their living. So Father, I trust you. I thank you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.